Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. I admit I have the best job in the world, where for a program like Song of the Soul, my work is to go out and find wonderful music, immerse myself in it, invite the musician behind the songs to share what's deep and dear to them, and to pass it on to you. I got to know a bit about today's guest, Rita Hosking, a few years back when her publicist sent me a copy of her CD, Frankie and the No-Go Road. And then last year, I was so privileged to have Rita's daughter, Cora Feeder, as my guest, so I decided to swim upstream to the homestead that birthed Cora. Rita's dominant, self-described style is country folk, and she's got a gift for both the story and for the music. So it will be completely understandable how she won the 2008 Dave Carter Songwriting Contest at the Sisters Folk Festival, a real honor. Lifelong resident of California, you'll find her singing from the mountaintops or deep in the mines or planted solidly in the land. Rita Hosking joins us today via Zoom from Northern California. Rita, this is long-awaited and much-anticipated. Thank you so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. It's an honor to be speaking with you, Mark. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I don't actually remember. I think it must have been something like a year ago that I interviewed your daughter, Cora. Did you actually listen to that interview, I'm hoping? Yeah, that was one of the first longish interviews I'd heard with her, so it was exciting to hear. I imagine over the years, you've done quite a wealth of interviews. What's the best interview you've had to date? One where you really felt like you expressed yourself, you got to speak. My hope is always that Song of the Soul is going to be the one that goes forward after this as your favorite, but there's a different format here. Often, you know, you're going in for 15 minutes and share one song and go on. Oh, it's hard to say because like you said, there've been a lot. I'll tell you one of the funniest ones. (laughs) (laughs) was being interviewed in Scotland, in Glasgow, by a DJ who spoke very, very Glaswegian Scottish English, which means I could not understand a word he was saying. And he would just, you know, talk about the water. And then, and, then I would, and then I would hear two words of the record I was promoting, like, come sunrise. And I'd go, oh, come sunrise. You want to talk about that? Let's talk about that. But I couldn't understand a word he said otherwise. And he thought it was hilarious as much as I did, but I was also scared to death. But we've had a lot of really wonderful interviews and we've been really fortunate to travel around and do all sorts of things like that. So I don't know, the best one's always the one that's going on right now. (laughs) It sounds like you're living in the present. One of the things that we talked about before you got on the air that I had noted via your website, and folks, the website is ritahosking.com, links on nordenspiritradio.org, is that back in college, you got a BA in religious studies with a minor in cultural anthropology. And believe it or not, Rita, as soon as I saw that, I fell in love with you. How did you end up in religious studies with a minor in cultural anthropology? I mean, you're from Northern California, right? Yeah, from a a very rural, remote area of Northern California. 
we went to Presbyterian church with my mom when I was a kid, but my dad didn't go and he sort of abstained and he was a Mason and he had his own sort of secretive things he did, you know, training other Masons and which is, it's all this oral tradition. And they would go upstairs to our one spare room upstairs and he would have these young men in and, and I would hear this hush. (laughs) And I'd I'd have my ear up to the door trying to hear anything I could. And, you know, if he heard me go, get out, you know, like get out of here. But anyway, just to, as a little background, I had some interest in those things, but I didn't understand them. But then, so anyway, I got to college. I didn't know what I wanted to study in college. I just knew that I needed to get a degree. That's what I'd been told by my parents. You're going to college to get a degree. So that was my thing. And I had to work through college, except for my first year. My parents were able to pay for the first year. And after that, I worked. And I found that the only thing that could keep me awake at night at 3 a.m. in the morning to study was religious studies classes. I enrolled probably, I think the first one was just a survey course of world religions where they survey maybe five or six religions. I found it absolutely fascinating, took another, and then I realized this is what I want to read at 3 a.m. in the morning. I can't think of anything else that'll keep me awake. But the thing with you, Rita, is that you went on and eventually you became a social studies teacher for eighth graders for a long time. And I'm not sure where that fits in with cultural anthropology. Maybe that's an experience of it. I don't know. <laughs> but, but psychology, I know, was one of the things that really interested you. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into social studies? That seems a little bit off the beaten path. Well, I took a wide range of classes for a religious studies and anthropology degree. So I ended up with this great, strong liberal arts background, and I got my degree. And then what do you do with that? (laughs) So I thought, well, it'd be fun to teach history. And actually, in the California curriculum, there is room for religious studies course at the high school level, uh, and nobody was teaching one here. So I, I went back to school and took a few history classes passed a test to get me into the social studies credential program. I noticed that amongst all those things that you've just mentioned, music wasn't one of them. Yeah. So I've always liked music. So like I say, we grew up in a really rural area. So our only live music was music at church, which my mom was mostly responsible for. My mom's a musician. She doesn't play much anymore, but she used to play a lot of flute and piano and some organ and sang. There was that, and then there was this band called the Mountaineers, which was an old-time kind of jug band made up of old mountain characters. So this is like, I hate to use the word authentic because it's overused, but this was a very authentic mountain sound because it was all these old trapping and logging folks singing songs that they knew from their childhood because nobody came to our area to play. Like I never saw concerts or anything like that growing up, unless it was church or the Mountaineers. So when I was about 13 or 14, our school cook, Pauline, was part of the Mountaineers, and she decided to form a kids' band, basically. I think she decided it was time to pass down some music. It turned out to be all girls, and we called ourselves the Farmerettes. (laughs) We sang songs that she taught us, like, y'all come, y'all, y'all come, see us when you can, you know, or uh, this old house. I played washboard. And then we also sang some country tunes that we knew because everybody listened to country music where I lived and my dad loved it. We had lots of records. I got a little bug for performing when I was maybe around 14 years old and enjoyed that. And when I was in college, I was always making up little songs throughout my life just for fun, like about my horse or my dog or whatever. And they all decided it was time to buy me a guitar unsolicited. I had no idea they were doing this. So for my 20th birthday, I was at work 
at a restaurant I was working at. And all of a sudden I realized a lot of my friends were here, you know, from many different parts of my life. And they were all kind of here in the same room. And this is really weird. And that I'm very slow to pick up on jokes and things like that. Or, or <laughs> and it was, you know, my birthday. So I was just like, oh, this is weird. And then pretty soon they pulled out this guitar and said, happy birthday. <laughs> and I was stunned. It's like held it up like, this is beautiful. But I had no idea what to do with it. I knew nothing about guitar. And I live with musicians. So pretty quickly, I had my three chords down. And then I, I bought a Cat Stevens songbook. I remember that was what I chose to buy. Like I could only afford one songbook, you know, I was like, who is it going to be? And so I, I thought, well, those should be simple. They are not that simple. A lot of his songs. But I ended up learning my, my husband and I were dating then. And he had some tapes of Kate Wolf and Mary McCaslin. And he said, I bet you could play some of this stuff. You'll figure it out. And so he loaned them to me and I fell in love with that stuff and started learning, just was inspired from that point. So I went to open mics when I was in my early 20s. But I pretty, I remember one night I really messed up and I was just mortified and I didn't go back after that. And I was also getting deep into my teaching program. And then I got married and had a baby. So I didn't go back to open mics for a really long time. And I just played a little bit at home. And uh, we raised two kids. And so when the youngest was about four or five or something, I think I started playing with our friends. My husband, my husband is the ongoing, steady musician in my life. He's been a musician since he was a kid. It's his passion. He plays tons of instruments and he's just really talented and it's just all he really wants to do. And I think he, he said, I think maybe somehow I knew inside you were a musician <laughs> or something. But with all that mixing up and then uh, playing with our friends and I just started writing my own songs more and decided I should start playing them. And you've done a lot of it in the intervening years. How do you want to start off your song of the soul? To give us a little bit of flavor of some of the kind of music you do. Well, maybe we should start out with a song called Coyote. To me, it, it maybe wraps up a lot of this description of the genre I stated for myself, country folk. But you also hear some bluesy stuff in there. I was a huge Rory Block fan in college. But also that song, it's just really super simple. As something I really appreciate about it is its simplicity and holding long notes. I loved world music. In college, I would go listen to these classical Indian singers from India. I'd drive to Berkeley and listen to these concerts, and I was just so moved by how they held one note. And then they would just slightly bend it, and I would just start breaking down crying. It was so transcendental what they were doing with their voices. This is the first time I've brought that up in context of this song. But in thinking about the song, I hold some notes probably a little bit like a wolf might howl or a coyote or a dog might howl. And uh, we had a lot of coyotes around growing up in the mountains. They were everywhere. And something I always appreciate about them was their ability to survive against great odds, their perseverance. So that song is its sort of a tribute to that spirit. Listen to The Coyote by Rita Hosking. Well, the coyote, she run day and night. Yeah, the coyote, she run. Day and 
know it takes her a little trouble just to get a bite. Coyote is by Rita Hosking. She's here today for Song of the Soul. Her website is ritahosking.com. The link, as always, is on nordenspiritradio.org. Along with that loping guitar, you heard some, as you said, Rita, sustained notes. I actually kind of marvel at your lung capacity. Do you do something to be able to sustain another? I mean, you really go for quite lengths. I marvel at myself doing that too. I don't know how it came about, but I think it's just practice. Well, actually, I have Sean, my husband, and I. We have we tour mostly as a duo. We do a trio as well, and sometimes a quartet. 
but we have this thing on one song where I'll just, you know, you see people do play games like that at times. I'll hold the note for as long as I can. And he tries to hold it with me. It's a very rare moment that I don't quote win. But, and, and I'll try to, I'll catch him cheating. Like he'll do some sort of circular breathing thing or something, but that's not okay. But yet I love those long notes. I mean, that's, to me, it's a healing thing. Well, you know, you've heard, you know, Ohm, the power of Ohm, right? Sure. Well, my wife is a yoga teacher and teaches meditation and all that. We're Quakers for our community practice, but yes, so she's very deep into it. Om hangs around our house a lot. Yeah, it's the quality of the human voice is an amazing thing. Well, when I started singing and writing and well, mostly like singing my own songs in particular, it brought something out of me that was inside and had never really found a way to express itself. I was very introverted kid and I call myself an introvert. You wouldn't guess it now. I've trained myself otherwise and I'm enjoying this life of extroversion at times. But I think singing, it's a way to bear your soul. Like you say, songs of the soul. To me, sometimes it feels like just, you can't see me on the radio, but I'm motioning to my chest and sort of grabbing as if I'm going to pull my rib cage apart and bust it open. And there's you take your big breaths for your long note. <laughs> your lungs are wide open. It's a way to let your spirit out. And I've so treasured that over the years. I feel like that's, you know, it was the answer to everything I, I needed as far as my soul's requirements was to sing and perform and sing my own songs and sing my own stories. And they say that everybody is a little happier if they can tell their own story. I know a line from one of my songs called Are You Ready? I say, it's a song about, you know, are you ready to leave? Are you ready to leave this world? And there's a line where I say, um, have you expressed your love and have you let your soul speak? People let their soul speak in so many different ways. Maybe it's through carpentry. Maybe it's through writing. Maybe it's through teaching. However, they're, wherever they thrive and feel like their spirit is lifted and, and speaking. So that actually brings me to another song that I had mentioned to you. It's called When Miners Sang. It's a song that I wrote, especially for a trip that we took underground to the last working underground gold mine in California. And it's called the original 16 to 1 in Allegheny, California, this little mining camp about an hour's drive from Nevada City. And I know where you know where that is because you said that you went to woman school in Nevada City once. So we went there because... On my father's side, there's a mining tradition. Well, there's a singing tradition in mining history. So my great-grandfather and great-grandmother grew up in Cornwall, England, you know, the southwestern peninsula of England from mining families. And they immigrated here and ended up, actually, my, my grandpa was born in the UP in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. They were there for a while. There are a lot of Cornish up there. I know you guys, they have, you, you probably know what a pasty is being from Wisconsin. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people don't know what pasties are in the world, but I know that in parts of California they do, and in Butte, Montana they do, and in the UP and Wisconsin I've actually seen these too. So anyway, they're Cornish. Y'all know what that is. They ended up in Grass Valley at Empire Mines, and the Cornish have a singing tradition, miners singing underground. And once they started to introduce more ethnicities into the mining workforce, they sang less and less. They got a little bit more self-conscious about singing around their co-workers, but they started singing topside more in Grass Valley. 
So they would get together and do events. They actually were even broadcast from underground. In 1941, on Christmas Eve, uh, they were on a national broadcast singing underground from a thousand feet under. Wow. So it was broadcast all over the world from Grass Valley. And we had a recording of that. I think it was, from what I've read, it might have been part of the government's plan to create sympathy for the British who were being bombed. We hadn't entered the war yet. But anyway, to create some sympathy, because they were all British immigrants working as miners there. So anyway, my dad would had these records of the Cornish Kale Choir, and his pop was on them, and they were old 78s. And every Christmas, my father would call my sister and I in and tell us to sit down and shut up. <laughs> and my grandpa was there, and he and my grandpa would put on this record on the record player, then they would stand at kind of at attention and look out the window at the snow and sing along. And we were not allowed to because we were girls, and this was a men's chorus, which always rubbed me the wrong way. But I, <laughs> I thought it was a gorgeous sound and i knew that it was for them it was like they were they were teaching us our family's emotional inheritance through these beautiful songs and it was moving for them and it moved us i titled that song when my nurse sang after a book by the name of a guy named gage mckinney who wrote a book all about the cornish carol singers of grass valley so there are some paragraphs about my my pop in there too which is really neat and i just thought it was a beautiful title when my nurse sang so I said, well, that's going to be the name of my song. To start the song, I hadn't really intended to start it this way, but I came across a psalm in the book of Psalms about, and, and I just saw this line and I thought, well, that's going to be my first line of the song. And it's, my heart is stirring with a noble song. And I thought, well, that's got to be the beginning of a beautiful story. So I just started writing from there. And it's about a little girl whose dad works underground in a deep, dark gold mine and doesn't get to share what she loves topside with her. So she leaves him little gifts to remember her by. So we have Rita Hosking here today for Song of the Soul. In 2011, she released a CD called Burn. And the song, When Miner Sang, is from that recording. My heart is stirring with the noble of a young girl who loved plants and the sky Of a father who mined in the dark all day long She gave to him gifts to remember her by Daddy, please take this big dandelion You can take it below
What a Sweet, Wonderful Song by Rita Hosking. When Minor Sang is the name of the song. Rita, I had the feeling when I was listening to that song that somehow you really seem to occupy the place of that young girl who's sending these dandelions and things down into the mines with her father. You said it was in your father's family, but does that mean you actually knew miners that you saw I don't know when they stopped mining particularly around there. Oh, let's see. They closed Empire where my great-grandpa worked in the late 50s, I think. But no, that's interesting that you say that. I definitely feel like I occupy that little girl. You know, it's, it's love from my father. My father didn't work in a mine. When I was a kid, my father worked at the sawmill. We were in a logging area up at about 4,000 feet with huge fir trees and cedar trees and gorgeous area and there were a couple sawmills around and he worked there and he worked early on when I was younger he worked night shifts pulling green chain which is not a pleasant thing to do especially when it's below zero and uh, he would sometimes come home with injuries and things I remember one time he came home it was in the middle of the night because he worked the night shift and these two his co-workers had him between them and he was hanging on their shoulders and he had been pulled into a saw. I had a big chunk of his leg taken out, just like in his thigh. He still has a little deep groove there where he lost some muscle. But I definitely worried about my dad going to work, much like maybe a kid might worry about her dad going to the mine. And knowing that he did it for us, that he was working really hard to give us a good home. Which is what we heard in the song the miner sang. You're listening to Norton Spirit Radio's program called Song of the Soul. That and my Spirit in Action program are on our website and links to our guests. So when you want to find out, if you can't spell RitaHosking.com, you can find it on NortonSpiritRadio.org. Please write comments and rate the programs when you visit. There's a donate button as well. That's how this full-time work is supported. Even more than supporting Northern Spirit Radio, I'd like to see you supporting both right now the musicians who are not out doing their gigs because of social isolation, the social distancing that we're doing right now. Support them and please support your local community radio station so invaluable, such an alternative source of both music and of news that you get nowhere else. Start by supporting them. And right now, we're going to ask Rita Hosking for another song for her song of the soul. How about California? How about California? What do you think of California? You like it, I think? Well, you know, I've actually have traveled quite a bit, but it's the only place I've ever lived. And it's such a huge and varied place. You know, it's as big as England and with probably as many different cultural divisions. It's an amazing little country in a sense. I love it dearly and I also can't stand it at times because it's so frustrating in a lot of ways. 
it's incredibly expensive to live here. The housing crisis, we have so many homeless, can't afford housing. That's really sad. A lot of people have left California who love it dearly just because they can't afford to live here anymore. We have a lot of fires. We have a lot of culture clash. And, and we, have, we have this amazing urban sprawl and, you know, in such a gorgeous place. At the t- same time, it just blows you away. It's so magnificent and beautiful. Let's just dive into the song, California. It's from Rita Hosking's recording, For Real. And she's here today for Song of the Soul. Here is California.
Introducing that song, I probably said it wrong. I said California, and maybe I should have said California, IA. I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was writing that song, I was like, I, I came up with California is my country. And then I was like, what comes next? And I started thinking of the days when I was a kid and we were learning about the gold rush and all these old songs like the Clementine song. Anyway, I just started thinking about how some people called it old california and old Ca- and california IA. i don't know if they actually said that but anyway it just came out I was like this is a very california thing to do <laughs> make up a new name california IA. it made a lot of sense to me <laughs> well it makes sense when you sing it that way you sing it so well yeah chorus sings on that we were just talking about her she sings the high harmony which is very high and I just sort of pulled her into the studio. She was home visiting for a short while while I was making that record in 2018. And I just, I had her for an afternoon. And literally while we were driving there, and it's only about a 10 minute drive from our house, I was like literally playing her songs on the stereo saying, you're going to sing on this. And you're going to play mandolin on this. And you're going to do this. <laughs> and she's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> I just threw her in the studio. And as I expected, she was brilliant was able to pull off some amazing stuff. Well, she is brilliant and you're brilliant. And California is a mixed bag as most of us really are. Let's have another song from Rita Hosking. Well, we have um, two more songs that I wanted to share. And there are two songs off a record I put out in 2015 called Frankie and the No-Go Road. This is a record unlike any other I've made in that it's a concept. <laughs> I'm thinking that this is a recapitulation of some psychology class that you had back at university. It is definitely some of that and religion classes and so on. So I said to myself, I think it was my sixth album, and I said, I want to make an album that's different from anything else. So I'm going to make an album about a hero's journey. 
And I came up with this idea when I was drawing, I was on an airplane flying back from some gig and I had in front of me some paper, I was doodling. And I really love the feeling when you're in an airplane that you're not, you're not in Nebraska, you're not in Kansas, you're in the air, you know, you're just floating in the clouds. And for me, it kind of creates some kind of freedom. I was drawing and I drew this circular series of critters going around in a circle. And, and I thought to myself, that looks like a hero's journey. And by hero's journey, I mean set of steps that cultures all over the world have in common in their stories and myths as identified by Joseph Campbell and then written about afterwards by a lot of other folks as well. The Hero with a Thousand Faces is one of the most famous books that he wrote about that. And some people narrowed it down to 12 steps I think for the sake of 11th grade English curriculum, which works <laughs> well, well, that's the perfect number of songs for a record, I thought, so I'll do a song per step. And like you say, it's really a study in human psychology. It's about this journey that our stories and our myths are, are modeled after our journeys as well, or, or vice versa. I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg, but we're living these journeys all the time. And one of my religious studies professors pointed it out to me once when it was a upper division type class on the psychology of dreams. And this was a religious studies course, which was awesome. And it was, the professor was Dr. Huilin Lai. He's from China and his specialty was in Eastern religions. He was teaching the course and he had drawn my dream. He would have his students come to his office the day before to, during office hours and tell him our dreams. So we, our homework was to write them down, come to the office, tell him the dream the day before. He would write notes down. And then the next day he would come to class and he would draw. He was a very visual professor. He drew pictures. He would draw the dream on the board as it unfolded and interpret it for us in his own way of, it was mostly based on Jungian psychology, a little Freudian, and then, you know, lots of things and lots of different spiritualities and philosophies mixed in. And he was drawing my dream and he had me, I was climbing up a ladder and I was wearing boxer shorts or something and I probably felt really embarrassed, but this was all in the dream, you know? And he pointed to me and he said, then our hero does, and my hand shot up. I was waving my hand and he turned around like, what, Rita? And I said, I'm not a hero in that dream. I don't feel like a hero at all. He grabbed his <laughs> longest piece of chalk and he thrust it in my face. And he said, Rita, we are all always on our own hero's journey all the time. And that just blew my mind. You know, I was like, doo -doo 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 -doo. my head was spinning. <laughs> this was like a very profound moment in my college education. So here I landed writing a, an album following a hero's journey. And the songs I selected for you, one's called Mama Said, we'll do that, becomes before the next one. And this is pretty far along in the journey. So this is after the big conflict, the do or die, big test and so on. After the hero has fought an incredible fight, maybe it's emotional, spiritual, physical, could be any kind of big, huge conflict. They fought it, they've made it through somehow. Usually in a story, they get some kind of reward, like maybe it's a precious ring or a sword or a kingdom or a new love. But you and I know, listeners, that usually what you get is you learn something. Oh, yeah, I learned something or you hope you learned something. And so for my hero, Frankie, at this point, I thought, what has Frankie learned? 
And the things that were popping into my head were things that my mother had told me or my father had told me or a teacher or a book, something that I considered precious knowledge and I had filed it away in my head. And then that knowledge got pulled out by a life experience. Something actually taught me what they meant because you think, oh yeah, I know what they mean, right? That you file it away and then along comes a life experience and you go, oh, that's what they meant. So I was looking for that kind of knowledge for Frankie and for this song. And because the song, like I said, it's about the reward. So I called it Mama Said. And there are headlines above each of the song lyrics in the liner notes for that record. And before you play the song, let me just recite the headline, because I think it really helps elucidate where we are in the journey and for the song. So the headline reads, Hero Confronts Villain, See Self. And the song is Mama Said. Yes, 
she said that. Mama said we are one and the same. I'm not positive if that was Rita Hosking or Sean Feeder playing the banjo there, that stark minor key banjo leading us into Mama Said. But it was a song by Rita Hosking, her website, ritahosking.com. When Mama said that they're one in the same, the villain and the hero, is that, are those the two that are the same? I, yeah. That's what I was, I was assuming it was. Well, that's how it, it could be interpreted, certainly. And that was me playing banjo. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> yeah, I played all the banjo on those parts. There was one part I didn't play on Wet It Go, but yeah, I played banjo on all of that stuff. That was part of the journey, too, because I had never played banjo on a record, and to me, that was a big deal. And the record that that's from is Frankie and the No-Go Road. It's a different kind of concept album you've not run into before with all of these steps of the hero's journey. By the way, I was wondering, since your your teacher told you so many years ago that we're all heroes, all, all part of the hero journey that we're doing, which step are you on now, Frida? I think it's not that simple because we're on multiple journeys at once. You might be on a journey, say you started a new relationship or you've started a new job or you've ended one and there's a larger journey there. And then there's an even larger journey of your whole life. And then there's might just be the journey of it might last a weekend. So I don't know. It's I think it's a difficult question. I, I'm not quite sure I could answer it. Well, you said there was a second song, and I think it's the last song that we'll share today. That's part of this hero's journey. It's the final song on Frankie and the No-Go Road. Tell me a little bit more about this one. This is a song I gave very little thought to. Well, basically, it's the end of the journey. And it's just sort of where the hero is supposed to say, or the hero is supposed to just kind of reintegrate into society with some kind of knowledge that they brought with them. Like not just in terms of the mama said knowledge, but like, so they went through all this and they're coming back into society. What do they have to offer now? That's how I see it. What do they have to say to people? So I just ended up with the word sing. And it relates back to what we were talking about when we were discussing the when minors sang song and so on, and how I really consider that word to be not just about whether or not you can carry a note or if you're musical, it's more about expressing yourself and honoring your journey and honoring your home in a way that does justice to the beautiful souls that we are. So the song, it sounds maybe a little gospely at first or something, but then my favorite part about it, I just wanted something at the end where I could bust loose and pretend like I was a giant rock star, pop star, and sing a big note, <laughs> which I'm a, not that A big sustained of. note, right? Big, I really wanted to just have that happen. And then I have to mention the producer of this record, Rich Brotherton. He also is an amazing guitar player. And the drummer, you probably heard some amazing drumming, if you didn't notice, on Mama Said. That was by Donnie Wynn, who um, is a fabulous, fabulous musician. Anyway, you know, it's a journey. It's transformative. I just wanted to get to that end and say, you know what? We all have our own way of singing. Go out there and do it. Folks, we've had Rita Hosking here today for Song of the Soul. Her website, ritahosking.com. You can find her seven CDs on her website and track them down. Quite an assortment of country, rock, Americana, and some blues and other things that she also includes in her repertoire. But 
country rock is a very dependable part of the stream of music that comes through Rita Hosking. You'll hear her performing almost always with Sean Feeder. And uh, do remember to check out my interview with her daughter, Cora Feeder, on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. Rita, it has been such a journey. And, and the song that we're going to end with right now, Sing, is from my soul, too. When you get to that point with any kind of voice sincere, sing. And compared to a massive man like me, you are a tiny person with a tremendous voice for the world. <laughs> and I love the way that you project it out there, that where you go deep into what people are living and journeying through their life and that you put it in your songs in a way that it just resonates so deeply. Thank you for doing that and for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. And so here we go out for today's Song of the Soul with Rita Hosking. The song is Sing. Thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. And just remember, sing.
The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org, guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.